0: I want Hilary Swank in the next Terminator movie so bad. There
1: is nothing in this world that you give me to do to hug a robot. It's because
0: it's so incredible and intricate that it's impossible not to notice. Music's the core of this movie. Born again (laughs) to watch this movie. You'll find redeeming things and you'll be thinking about it for a long time afterwards. There was no bone saw. Just John hamming it up over here. Two and a half out of three of us recommend it. (laughs)
2: Everybody loves talking about movies. Let's talk about movies.
1: All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Pause, Rewind, Play podcast today. We have Josh. How's it going, guys? Vince. Hey. And a first on the Pause, Rewind, Play podcast, we have Michael. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) first guest. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Well, no, thank you for being willing to to join us three here and talking about this movie. Yeah, so this is... This is my buddy, Michael. We've
2: known each other for for, for a while now. Um, Before we started the podcast here, me and Michael had been, like, months ago, we are talking about doing a a movie podcast, but I'm too lazy to get into it, and the mics were expensive, and so it never ended up happening. So I've just been looking for an opportunity to get him in here on a mic to talk about movies with me.
3: Yep, really
1: excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so let's hurry and recap, actually, what we saw this past week. Let's start out with Vince. Uh, I haven't really been watching
2: anything new. Uh, Stranger Things came out, season three. So we decided to jump right into season one. (laughs) And it's driving everybody that I work with crazy because they just want to talk about season three and I keep making them shut up. Or I just walk out of the room. So I'm watching that and that's about it. i mean that's me just so i can go next is stranger things
0: 3 is definitely what i was watching all week i watched it by myself you know in the first two days it came out and now i'm rewatching it at a slower pace with my wife and it's worth it
3: check it out if you haven't it's awesome
1: what are you watching michael
3: well i started stranger things season three i got one episode in and decided I wanted to rewatch Boy Meets World. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm on season 4, episode 13 of Boy Meets World. It's life lessons. Like, man, that show, everywhere.
1: that is a throwback. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so good. Topanga still got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's perfect. Um, I have not been watching Boy Meets World, but I have watched more TV this week than I have in weeks. And it was because I Watch Stranger Things with my wife. Then I I was a little confused on some sp- very specific details from The Handmaid's Tale. I don't know if anyone watches that. I went back and rewatched four episodes from season one and two from season two because I had to piece together some very important lore from Gilead. I don't know if anyone else is a big fan of that, but yeah. I'm I obsessed. watched uh,
2: season one and two, and after season two ended, I just kind of lost interest but my wife is still watching every episode and she's really liking it
1: you've got to watch this season i will recommend it i will in full eventually
3: is season three it, the same thing mm-hmm. happened
2: with uh i started watching euphoria but then i don't know stranger things came out and if i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna watch a whole hour-long show i can only do like one at a time i can't jump from show to show to show so stranger things is just kind of taking over
1: you watched game of thrones right i did Remember, there are like four bajillion characters that you kept track of there. You uh, can jump shows. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Don't give me too much I credit. I'm to not that smart. Throwing Vince that
0: you are basically watching four shows
1: at once when you watch the first like, six seasons of that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no. Great. Good. Good. Anything else before we kind of jump into what are we doing anything, Josh? We're doing a... Competition bracket. Yes.
0: So I know that we usually announce our next movie at the end of the podcast, but today we won't because our next movie is undecided because it's going to be picked by you guys. We're having a competition, a single elimination sort of tournament bracket about all 10 of Christopher Nolan's films to see which one you guys like the best. So check us out. You can vote on our Twitter at pause, rewind, PLA uh and then also check us out on our instagram at pause rewind play podcast and those uh those movies will be you know up against each other and you can vote for your favorite one on our instagram story as well we'll total up the votes and we'll do a round each day and then the winner that you guys pick will be the topic of our next week's movie podcast so check that out check us out on there so you can you know make sure that your favorite film wins so that you can hear us talk all about that next week
2: Will it be the Dark Knight?
1: Only time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know what Vince
3: wants to watch. <laughs>
1: I'm really hoping for something else, like The Prestige.
0: I'm yeah. I, I like not to go too far into it with like you know because I've been sort of on the back end of this making it all happen, but that's strangely one of the ones that I think might might happen i think if anything is going to beat the dark knight it would be the prestige even though it's like the eighth seed and the dark knight's the first seed tons of people have messaged me before i clarified to them hey like go to our instagram account to vote i just sort of put a thing up on my story like hey like vote for your favorite nolan films and i had three people message me and each one of them they usually said two movies but every single one of them mentioned the prestige so and, you know, not to go too far into it, but The Prestige is winning by a hefty amount right now versus what? following, wow. which that's yeah, not a big surprise. Yeah, but I mean, just saying that, I think that'll be a good matchup to look out for. So check us out there. You can find the bracket and see what's going on. Something fun that we're going to be trying to do a few times. Maybe not always to pick a new show, but just to say, hey, you know, what are the best movies of 2010? What are the best movies of this director? And we'll do this. So check it out. It should be pretty fun.
1: What if we did like... We had a tie, and we had to do a mashup of the two videos. You would oh have to take gosh. and go to VidAngel, and you'd have <laughs> to have them edit the movies together to make a mashup of Inception or just hit them both. just hit play on <laughs> both at the same tie. time. And just Commentary. see what you get from it. <laughs> yeah, and see what comes out of it. Oh, goodness. <laughs> That could be that could be a real trip. I would enjoy it. <laughs> Speaking of trips, let's move into this movie. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but really we're gonna talk about Midsummer a little bit, which is a brand new film that was released just what, on the what do you want to just say? Just past here? Friday. Just yeah. on the yeah, the third of July, day before the fourth. Um this is a really interesting film that was produced and put out, directed and written, all of that by Ari Aster. Um, which stars Florence, I can't say her last name, Pew. Pew, Jack Raynor, William Jackson Harper, Willem Blomgren, and Will Poulter. And it's kind of set stage in a world where comes love, heartbreak, loss, traveling, and that need for wanderlust and fulfillment. Is that a good enough kind of, so real life pretty much, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but is that good, good enough overview of the film or do you want to give yeah.
2: a little more thought to isn't, it? Isn't that crazy too, that this is a horror movie and that's what you described it as like all of these great happy things, but, <laughs> but this is a straight up horror. Like it's not a horror in a kind of general sense, but, but by the end of the movie, it leaves you feeling the, the, the weight of the movie. Um, and it's a movie that's just bright and happy and beautiful and, and, even the music is beautiful yet yet unsettling and it's just it's really different type of horror.
3: Yeah, that's uh I totally agree with all of that. It definitely leaves you feeling empty at the end <laughs> of it in such a way yeah. that a lot of horror movies don't. Which is kind of where I'm at in my horror movie watching. Like I'm <laughs> a little over um slashers and jump scare movies because the older i get the more adult horror i want and this is definitely in that like at the end of it like you like vince had said all these life things but that's what's the scariest part is life is a horror movie
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly just like just like you guys both mentioned is that it's such a different type of horror and we'll get more into what we specifically thought of it but I just think that it's great that Ari Aster with Hereditary and this movie is sort of one of the main factors in revolutionizing the new horror genre, and he's doing a good job of it. It's so strange that we look at it, and it's set in Sweden, in northern Sweden, in the middle of June, and so you think about that, and they have the whole midnight sun thing. I looked it up, and in Sweden, in northern Sweden, about where they're at, in June for the summer solstice, there is literally less than an hour a day that the sun sets and so you think about that and you're like this is a horror movie when it's like never dark ever and i mean when you watch the trailer for this and you see the light everywhere you're sort of like this is a horror movie like how is that gonna work but i mean if you've seen it you know exactly how it works that it just fits all together perfectly it's a new type of horror and
1: we'll get into it whether
0: we love it we hate it i guess you'll have to find out
1: I think it just goes to prove that reality is terrifying <laughs> <laughs> <Absolutely>. but <laughs> i don't i don't know i think this was one of my biggest films i wanted to see this year to be honest with you because i after watching hereditary which i know we're probably gonna refer to another point during this i was ready for this and what i love is how bright and colorful this is this whole film if you've watched it you know if you're going to watch it be prepared like you do not need to worry about it being a dark and gloomy film because it's so dang bright in Sweden, but mm-hmm. the reality of it is, is it'll still put you on your toes and kind of make you go forward. Anyone else have any other thoughts before we jump into anything? I would refer. I would
2: uh, also bring up, like you brought up, hereditary. I would also bring up the witch in this genre of horror. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not a classic horror film that is trying to make you jump every five minutes. It's a horror movie that makes you really feel the subject matter and it makes you go home and really think about what you just saw and what you're feeling at the time and like 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 you said Michael it's it's the genre maturing you know in 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 a great way and I think I'll be referencing Brightburn a lot in this episode too because it's a movie that we we did um Mm -hmm. like I think is our first episode it was our
1: first episode
2: uh which I was not a huge fan of and you can jump back and listen to that episode if you want to know why Um, Or I could just tell you now, it was very (laughs) generic. (laughs) And this one is just so much different. And I don't know if I would recommend it to everybody because it's such a slow, kind of slow burn, um, different kind of movie. And like I said, it makes you feel really weird. But if you're into the horror genre, it's it's a must-see. I think so. I'd say it's
0: a must-see and like
2: michael and vince talked about
0: the reason that it's so scary and ominous and leaves you feeling like that at the end is because correct me if i'm wrong but there's nothing supernatural about this movie like everything all of the events are just humans doing things and so like michael said real life is scary real life is a horror movie and this movie that we watch and we see it unfold in front of us the way these people live is a perfect representation of that
1: yeah. I I agree. Nothing nothing more I can say without really going into spoilers. Yeah, let's do it.
2: Let's jump into spoilers.
1: All right, folks. Uh spoilers ahead. If you haven't watched the movie, get out of here, go watch the movie, then come back and listen again later cuz I've got a good feeling about this episode and kind of talking about it. So, spoilers ahead. You've been warned. If you're not ready for, you know, spoilers, get out of here. If you are, welcome to the show. So who wants to start off? What are your thoughts of the first? I want to say the first 15 minutes of this film. Tell me about it. What are your thoughts?
3: I'll go. So the the movie starts out dark Mm -hmm. in winter, which is completely opposite of what we've been talking about. And it starts slow with music and out of nowhere, phone rings, jump scare, was not ready for that. At all, I jumped out of my seat. <laughs> I was like one of two people in the movie theater, which was <laughs> equally is co- creepy. But um, the the movie starts dark, uh, which is completely opposite of what we, what we've been talking about. And it uh, it starts out in a way where there's a a boyfriend and a girlfriend, and they they're not seeing eye to eye on how. They feel about each other. It's, it kind of hits home because like, they, the boyfriend doesn't know how to communicate with his girlfriend. And she's having a really hard time with her family. And, and that's, that's a big crux in this movie. Um, the, the two of them not being able to communicate.
2: It's a situation that I think all of us have kind of like been in at least one point in our lives where we're dating somebody. And we don't really want to be a part of that relationship, but you don't really want to leave because you're you're too worried that like y- you found the best, you know, and you don't you don't want to take the risk of something that would be better for you because you're so comfortable in where you're at, and that's that's the that's where Christian, one of the main character, that's his name, right, Christian, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, one of the main characters and his girlfriend Danny. That's kind of where they're at at the beginning, and uh danny is so worried about like like she's needy right mm-hmm. and she's so worried and this is this is a thing that you recognize throughout the entire movie is just like how dependent she is on on her boyfriend and that's what makes this this first scene so much more impactful like looking back on it is you see that uh so so straight up her little sister has depression or, or uh, she has sister. bipolar bipolar, That's what it is. Is bipolar. Yeah. yeah so so she's going crazy and she gets an email or a text message or something email, saying yeah. it's mm. it's sounding like she's gonna kill herself which straight up she kills herself and in in the text it says something along the lines of um i'm i'm gonna see dark or something and my and our parents are coming with us mm-hmm. yeah. which she ends up killing herself and also her two parents um leaving danny all by herself this girl who's already a little bit codependent and she just becomes like that much more dependent on this guy who's not fully invested in this relationship at all.
1: Well, and even him just being there, right? Throughout all of the struggles and everything that she's dealing with, he's not really there. We watch them come back from a party and he just goes and sits on his computer. He puts on his phone, right? Turns on his phone and he just, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, you know, he ends up, you know, having this weird confrontation, this weird moment where just like, oh yeah, I am going to Sweden. I mentioned it when probably he didn't effectively communicate. That's what I got from it. It's like, mm-hmm. there are times when I know in my relationship with my wife, there are times I just think that I've told her things. Because sometimes <laughs> I'm like, we talk about everything. And then I really didn't say a freaking word to my wife. And yeah, it, it can cause problems. And I think in this scenario, this is what gets Danny pushed to the point where Christian invites her, whether it's willingly or as him feeling like this is a way to make up for it. Right. He's like, I invite her, but she's not really coming. And then when she shows up, they are all like, you're coming. Right. And she's like, well, yeah, I guess I am now. Like, cause you guys want me to come too. Mm. And so it changes the game when she's actually on the flight. Right. And plus think about it. She's alone pretty much.
2: Uh, I just want to throw in I was really impressed with the way that they cut this scene or this Mm -hmm. this sequence because it went from like it it moved fast this first part getting them to the commune out in Sweden it moved really fast it went from like this really intense heavy suicide and uh, the relationship problems that she's having and then it cut to her visiting or, or Christian this is where also you meet his friends um, at, at the restaurant, they're talking about him breaking up with her, and he doesn't know if he wants to. And then the way that they cut everything together, though, it was it was really cool going from like the restaurant scene to her house to um, the. his apartment where he tells them that he invited her and then she goes into the bathroom after having a panic attack and the way that they shoot it is they kind of went up above the doorway and as it crossed into the bathroom it crossed into the airplane yeah and her traveling over there i just thought it was a really cool well done sequence i thought it was well shot
0: as well and like you said it moves so quick to get them to the commune which is you know the whole premise but the whole premise of the movie is still set everything that you need for the themes and for everything that they talk about the rest of the movie is put in place. I don't think there's a second wasted of that first 15 minutes. It gives you everything you need for the whole movie, but it gets you to where you want to be. It gets you to the main
3: action. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The one one thing about that first beginning 15 minutes of the movie, the the boyfriend, what's his name? Christian. Christian. He seems emotionally exhausted. <laughs> that is like the the best way to put it for me is he 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 loves her or he thinks he loves her and but she's so hard to deal with all of this at once that he almost has like he only has so much bandwidth for like the amount to to deal with that he's just like turned off and like josh said like that puts you into the point where they get to sweden and uh with that shot you were talking about in the they cut into the airplane they used when they get into Sweden they jump right into the car and they drive four hours to the commune and they use the same kind of shot. Again, They the the car is driving towards the camera and the camera rolls over the top of it, And but this time it goes completely upside down. Yeah. It was a really pretty shot where the road was upside down for a good 30 seconds, it was beautiful.
0: It's a really pretty shot, but it's also unsettling, which is what the whole also what the whole first part of this movie is trying to do it's trying to get you feeling unsettled i mean when she loses her parents and she's with christian and she's crying that is some ugly crying like you hear that and you feel uncomfortable because she's not just crying you know she is sobbing she's bawling her heart out and so you watch that and you feel uncomfortable because that's not pretty crying but that's the whole point you're supposed to feel like she feels uncomfortable not not exactly the way you want to with the world because she's lost everything and so since the story follows her as the principal character that's what they want you to do they don't want you to feel good they have these shots while while they're beautiful they are upside down and she's ugly crying and all these other things so just really set up well
1: yeah
2: and it builds that tension so well like like even though like I said there's no horror or no no jump scares in this movie or anything and and for the most part there's no setup for for any classic Mm -mm. scary stuff but for some reason i and you just explained it perfectly i through the entire movie i was on edge like i just kept expecting the worst to happen even though i wasn't being setting up set up for a jump scare just the way that people like talk to each other, the way something was shot or something, everything just felt so ominous and just so out of place. Um, I think it's another. Uh, I think it's a, another good reason, another good way that they set that up is through the music that it plays. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of mentioned that earlier. It's this, you know, string instruments that are so beautiful in some scenes and just so eerie in other scenes it it, kind of can be taken both ways and it just sets that
1: feel and that tone for the movie through the entire thing yeah you kind of you kind of get that feeling through the music right after they're they're on the road right where you got that beautiful shot that's upside down and kind of flips us around and we get there they take a hike off onto this dirt road right and they're kind of walking through the forest and going and then as soon as they get to the destination of the festival right they walk in there's some people playing string instruments and the flute and all this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and the music kind of sets you up to like i'm thinking gay this is gonna be well okay i skipped something really important actually here where they first get up to where they park the car before they take a hike through the dirt and they have an like a trip right they go on like a vision quest for a minute right there and danny has like a bad trip everyone else is set up in the right mind to have a out of body out of mind experience you might say right but danny is kind of like fighting she's like i don't know if i'm ready and chris is like well i just won't do it either mm-hmm. and he's like well uh, 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 i guess and gets to the point where she's like oh, she'll do it and then you know she has this really unsettling trip and then it ends with her having passed out somewhere in the grass and then what? thus begins more of our adventure
2: Um, I just want to shout out Christian in this moment, because this, like, in my opinion, this dude sucks. Like, he's not a good boyfriend. He is stuck in a relationship he doesn't want to be in. He's in, he's not able to give her the comfort that she needs or able to relate to her, which isn't necessarily his fault. But he just, he just never, he just, he just does a lot of crappy things, even to his buddy. Um, towards the end of the movie when they're talking about their thesis. He tries to straight up steal his friend's thesis
1: What's that guy's mm-hmm. name again? Because I keep wanting to I got call a, him I got all the
2: names right here. Uh, his name is Josh.
1: But what Josh. show is he in besides
2: this? The Good Place. The
1: Good Place. So yeah. he is the uh-huh. exact opposite of his character in The Good Place in this film in And a way.
2: I loved him so much more in this than The Good Place. <laughs> he did great in this movie. He did so good uh, He's a little over-the-top nerd in The Good Place. He was perfect nerd in this one.
3: Okay he was, <laughs> I agree. The other friend this is Mark, one of Mark. Mark' worst human ever. <laughs> ever, I did not. I don't know if I'm. I was supposed to not like him as much as I, as I did, but he got under my skin in the worst way. If I if I'm gonna say anything, I don't like about this movie, it's it's that his character. Yeah. he was just rude and, and it was unbelievable. I, I I've seen characters I don't like in movies, but he he almost went so far as like. You you wouldn't have any friends if you acted this way. He's
2: kind of that buddy that everybody has that you don't really want around, but you've known him for so long that he won't go away. I'm right. You kind of you're (laughs) kind of (laughs) obligated.
0: Vitz is like trying to hit at Michael. Like yo, man, this is why
2: we didn't do a podcast together in the first place. (laughs) Um,
0: No, but I agree that Mark is that character. But I think. Um, I think they could have toned it down a bit, but I also think it's sort of integral because he's sort of that driving force for Christian to... You know, because I'm not saying that Christian wouldn't have wanted to dump Danny even without him, but he's he's the real driving force between them and breaking up he's the one who says hey man you don't want this chick you can get yourself a girl who likes these things you like and everything else so he's sort of that driving force trying to push them to break up and even when you know we were talking about the mushroom scene and even though uh christian's a little bit awkward about it he's like oh i'll just like wait for you and then mark he's like he's like wait so we're just gonna have completely different trips and it's just like uh, and so that's what forces Danny to say, "Oh, you know, sorry, it's fine. Like, I'll, I'll do my thing." So yeah, you hate him.
2: I think he plays his role though, and yeah. he's so, like, "What he has to do?" <laughs> but yes, he's, he's, he's funny. the worst, and he's funny. Like he was cracking me up. His his trip in that scene where he's just like, "Guys, why is the sky blue? What? Just everybody lay down. Can you can you please lay? you please lay down?" You know, he plays that role of just like in a movie that's so like heavy, intense. He plays that relief you know, mm-hmm. gives us that relief. He's... But I, I want to jump back real quick just to finish my thought on, on Christian. Um, it's these moments that make me l- actually un- like like Christian a little bit. He's this crappy guy for the most part, but he's trying. And it, it shows in that trip when, he, you know, he's, uh, and, and in when she's ugly crying and everything too, like he's trying to be there for her. He's trying to be the best boyfriend that he can, even though he's, not the right person for it Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to sum up my thought on that
1: just defending the bad guy (laughs) no i'm just kidding (laughs) but let's let's talk about once we get into the festival area of the commune right they walk in and they walk in through this like ray of sunshine right Mm -hmm. that's what it literally looks like is the sun just like welcoming the day Mm -hmm. and the sun never sets after that Mm -hmm. but what happens like kind of what what are your guys thoughts on this when they get there so
3: for me going back to the like color palette of mm-hmm. the way the movie is shot and like how everything is bright this for me sets up like the one of the biggest points for me in the whole movie was it's so bright and beautiful for these people but it's also horror for another group mm-hmm. like what is normal for some people is terror for another which i think is basic. it feels like a a big point on the the whole movie
0: yeah exactly because you have and i'll get into it more later but this commune turns out to be a good thing for some people and a bad thing for some people obviously there are people who live here this is their lifestyle and they live this way for them it's all a good thing whereas to us the audience and for most of the main characters they walk in they see the happenings of this and they get freaked out but that's sort of what the director's doing so ari aster what he's doing is he walks us into this commune and we're expecting a horror movie and he pushes us to the limit of what we're going to accept as okay and he does this both subtly and extremely directly he does it subtly with different parts of the movie you know us like watching and being like why are these people doing that why are they holding each other this way and he does it as directly as they walk in and you have Simon and Connie there and they're like, are we not going to talk about the bear? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bear. And yeah. so he's literally challenging us there to be like, Hey, what's going to be okay in your mind? What's not going to be okay? Cause that's what this whole story is about is that these are community. It's a community that lives differently than how, you know, we in America or wherever you're listening normally see the world. What are we going to say is okay. And what's not okay.
1: Well, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to Alaska in the summer or to Sweden or a place like this when the sun does not set. That's a weird experience. So we, we went on vacation to
2: Iceland last year. Oh, yeah. And we had that experience for two weeks of it never being dark and having to wear face masks in the tent while we tried to sleep. Mm-hmm. Also very um, kind of surrounded by the Viking culture. So this, this, the whole movie kind of touched home a little bit of, I mean, plus I watched like six seasons of Vikings, so there's a lot <laughs> of like similarities. I was like, I know that, I know that, you know, that's, that's a pagan, I, it's a
1: Viking ritual, it's this, it's that, it made it a lot of fun. Well, I really actually want to get into some of those ritual things as we get farther back, because I got a little excited, because I saw some of this in Vikings, and um. I was like, what? So I'm pumped, but it's a little unsettling to have the sun never go down, and just being constant... Bright, yeah, right? And because where we live in North America, right, the sun tends to set between six thirty p.m. in the winter and 10 30, 11 p.m. at night. And I guess not that late, but like 9 30, 10 at night in the summer. So having that weird experience of the sun never going down and then having it portrayed in a horror thing. Because I always wonder, what do bears do? Like, when I was in Alaska, what do bears do oh God, at 9, 30, yeah. 10, 11 at night? Because we're out fishing on the river. And the guide was like, oh, yeah, by the way, like, you might see a bear just casually stroll by here. And I'm like, it's like the middle of the night, man. He's like, yeah, it's totally normal here right now. It's like, that's so best. But kind kind of thinking about it, it is a weird time to think about. Like, summer, we love summer. But this is a really unsettling summer for some, like. I don't know so that's that's interesting wouldn't do you want to have anything to add sorry i've kind of like monopolized this yeah, moment. That's totally
3: fine.
0: so i think it sort of you know it sets the stage we're sort of feeling uncomfortable but at the same time we're also just sort of feeling setting the mood they're getting there and then they sleep the first night and then we have the big first scene where stuff goes wrong can we move there or do you want to say yeah uh
3: before we go there there's a lot of imagery in like the places they're staying mm-hmm. there's art everywhere and it all has a pretty sexual undertones like the all the art on the walls are pretty pretty graphic i guess yeah. Not in cartoon form and nothing is like terrible but there there's things when you're well they're walking around that you're noticing and and back to that are we going to talk about the bear scene yeah. there's also a moment where they're they saw a like a tapestry hung up mm-hmm. and and they had said like oh what's that and the the guide their friend that brought them to um, uh where is it Sweden? Sweden Sweden yeah he's like oh it's a love story and it and it starts out with this like Girl, that seems like she's in love with a boy, and it starts getting weird towards the end of the imagery. It's all blocked pictures, and and uh it gets kind of crazy towards the end. It's one it, of the
1: Sunday funnies gone wrong. wrong.
2: Yeah, that's that's another cool thing about what Ari Aster did is if you look in at these tapestries through the whole movie, that one is put right in front of your face. But even Ooh. on that first night, the big barn communal sleeping area that they sleep in is covered in in this artwork this old swedish artwork and if you look at it all it tells the story of what you're you're about to see um it just foreshadows everything and that one especially that you're talking about like later in the movie it it shows it shows some you know it shows this girl making a love potion using her blood and using her hair and all this like weird stuff, and then later in the movie, when you know making this love potion out of these things, and then later in the movie when they're sitting there eating at this dinner table, you'll notice that Christian's drink is a little bit redder than everyone else's, and he takes a bite out of his meat pie and he pulls a hair out of his mouth. You know, so it's like it's really cool that it's like we might want to go into that a little bit more later, but like it's really cool that if you're really paying attention, and that that this is another good thing in, in, you know, it shows proof of a, of a great horror movie is if you go back and rewatch things, it, it will, you know, you can see things in the background that changes your perspective. And if you're really watching for things, you can catch things that you didn't notice before. I feel like we said this exact same thing on all the sci-fi movies too. <laughs> well, Cause that's true. And even, even though it's a little bit further and not as
0: direct, if you remember, because I saw it twice, the very first shot of the movie is like a tapestry thing, right? Mm. And it shows where it, like I said, it's not as direct as that one where it literally shows what this chick does later for the love potion to try and fall in love with Christian. But it also depicts different scenes or things that will happen throughout the movie in the very first shot. But it just doesn't make any sense to you because you haven't seen anything yet. Oh yeah. my gosh, I didn't even remember that.
2: I'm gonna have to go back. I just there. thought why, about why it now. You? Yeah. you know, I was like,
0: oh yeah, they showed it at the very beginning.
2: So before we go into any of the violent stuff um the intense stuff i want to talk a little bit about because this this is my problem is i laid down after seeing the movie and like what i did with spider-man i laid down and i had to get all my thoughts out of my head and write it down on a piece of paper so i wouldn't forget after seeing midsummer i laid down in bed and i did not know what to write down because i just had so many thoughts going through my head there was i didn't even know where to start i didn't know i just just, decided just go to sleep ended yeah. up dreaming about the movie that night, <laughs> ending up reading about it the entire like reading about midsummer and like the history all on the train up to work. you know, it's it just stuck with me for the last two days. I've been thinking about this movie. But I just wanted to go over midsummer what like the the beliefs now before we jump into what Ari Aster did because he said, um so so the Swedish midsummer is not as crazy as they make it. Of course, as they make it seem in this show, um, it's it's actually really tame. He actually pulled things from, like you said, pagan uh, worshiping and European Midsummers. There was like three different co- countries. I think it was like Sweden, German, and and European Midsummer
1: traditions. And he kind of like, I think the, the one guy along. hints at what Midsummer traditions are pulled from because that's what he's doing. his, what is it called thesis or whatever? On yeah, mm-hmm. he's that's that's where he pulled all of it from is. Is those. So you find out where all the different variations of it come from, where he put them together and what he made yeah. for this movie. Sorry. Yeah,
2: no, no, exactly. Um, so I just wanted to go through a couple of modern beliefs. Um, number one, Midsummer. the Midsummer Festival it celebrates the arrival of summer. And in Sweden, the the climate's a little different, so summer comes a little bit later. And it, it's around May that it ends up happening. That's where they get the May Queen. Um, the Maypole is still used to this day um and they they do a little dance around that one of the most popular dances is the i'm going to i'm going to ruin this i'm going to destroy it. this word smagradorna
1: smagradorna
2: is that right i don't know which translates know to little frogs <laughs> and it's a favorite of the the locals out there because from what i read because uh it's really silly looking and so the adults and the kids can kind of enjoy it and the weirdest thing that they do young women pick seven flowers and put them under their pillow so that, that they will dream about their future husband. And that's as weird as it gets. It's a really like cool, fun festival that I'd really like to go out and check out. So, I, yeah, I just wanted to run through a couple of those before we get into what their interpretation what of Midsummer Festival is.
3: Speaking of those flowers, there is a scene towards Right, right before the ending mm-hmm. where there's a bunch of girls just walking backwards, picking flowers. Uh-huh. And they, it never references it again. Yeah. yeah. It, they, they
1: never say anything about it. But... Did you pick these while walking backwards? Christian said that. <laughs> Sorry. Well, there's well,
2: yeah. the line like, someone's got to tell these girls they're walking funny. Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the guy we hate. What's his yeah, name? Mark. Ugh. Mark's the Mark. worst. <laughs> uh, well,
1: also going into kind of, before we kind of dive into it, another thing with these you know midsummer festivities there is a section where it actually shows each of them are assigned a rune and it's put on their dress and their apparel so for instance danny has one which is an r rune on her dress which symbolizes a ride or a journey and then next to it there's also one that's like a what do you want to call it a looks like an hour hourglass which represents um day or awakening so it kind of like there's a lot of symbolism in each of their clothes as they receive their outfits from the commune they've already been pre-assigned a task in this thing and so i don't really know what was on everyone else's besides danny's but i'm curious
3: good for a rewatch,
1: yeah it's time to go <laughs> back and rewatch, and maybe i need to learn the runic language the old and the new whatever that language was say reference i don't know it but i'll figure it out so the rune with the r shape yeah uh I'm pretty sure
2: it's hope. My wife has that rune on a elk's antler that she bought in Iceland. Mm. Oh, it's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> you look at it oh, now and you're man. like, you yeah, know, like the no, find she, under your she knew the translation of, it. I can't remember what it is. It, it means like, uh, like you're suffering loss or something like that. Uh, but so, so it's, well, it's because of those things. Like I kind of recognize again, like from our trip, like I recognize these little things that normally I wouldn't have. Yeah.
0: Man. Oh, that makes sense. That'd be cool. Because if it's like, you know, the suffering loss, I mean, the moment, not to jump too far backwards, that Pele, right, the Swedish guy who's with them in America, learns what she's going through and that she might be coming, he's not like Josh and Mark and sort of tries to inch her away, you know, nicely. But he's like, you should come. Because he knows what this community has to offer. He knows like that it would be good for her. And so...
1: He also talks about his parents' death. Sorry to interrupt, but he talks no, about his parents' good. death and how his parents also died, but they died in a fire. So mm. a little bit of foreshadowing there, but yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So even though I like that so much because even though he's he's so awkward about it, like it's so fresh for her and he's like oh my parent my parents died in a fire my parents and she's like stop he's like but it's i understand mm-hmm. even though he's awkward it's just cuz he's trying his best to to put himself out there so that she'll come and see what this community has in terms of empathy and everything
2: so yeah can we talk about i think his name is pele pele yeah. um just talk about him for a minute uh we talked a little bit about how like the, the scary thing about this is not a monster. It's kind of human nature. Um, Pele was the nicest guy in the movie. And it, the movie sets it up for you to expect uh, Danny to be some sort of sacrifice toward the end of the movie. Like she talks to Pele and she's like, I'm going on the trip, trip with you. And he says something along the lines of, I'm most excited for you to come with. And she's like, it's it's my birthday, and he gets even more excited, you know. And so it's like it's it's like leading you to expect this bad ending for Danny. But really, Pele's just got the the best. The, like like just hoping for the best for her. Like you expect it to be this twist where he turns on her and like they tie her up and they throw her in the fire or whatever. But no, he's really like genuinely cares about this girl and wants to help her and believes that his commune. Is the best thing for her at this moment. The best for her, but the worst for the rest of his friends. <laughs> yeah.
3: And and he plays he plays creepy and super nice really well. The actor was was great at this and it feels like he got the like I guess cultural divide where you were Josh was saying like she kind of was awkward about him being like, my parents died. I understand, I understand, but it and she didn't know how to react to that because, like, we don't talk about our emotions that way. We don't open up in a sense like that. And and Vince, like Vince had said, like he can see this is gonna be good for her. And Ari Aster plays with those horror tropes here, where you're saying that. You're expecting her to be the sacrifice. This is horror movie 101. Mm-hmm. The 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 damsel in distress is going, and she's going to be the 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 lamb, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, I guess I don't want to go too far. Turns yeah. out much differently. Yeah, someone
1: else becomes so, the bear.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: so speaking of cultural divide, do we want to like move into that? Uh, Cliff scene? Yeah. Yeah. Really quick, like Michael said, just to shout him out really quick,
0: uh Wilhelm Blomgren, which was the guy who played Pele, amazing acting. He has only he started acting in twenty nineteen and he's only been in like a few episodes of a couple Swedish T V shows. Like he's been in two shows, one of them in one episode, the other one in like twelve I think so far. Like shout out to that guy for so little acting. He played an incredible part of his role. But yeah, let's do it. The first major shock of the movie. What were your guys' thoughts about it? Ouch. <laughs> yeah.
3: That's
0: a, real, that's, a, that's
1: a real headache you can't come back from. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This was hard to watch. I shouldn't make light of that, guys. I'm no, so sorry. Very <laughs> brutal. It's
3: it's the first scene that jars you. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say first scene. The, the very first scene that jarred me actually was they show um sorry to jump back so far but uh they show danny's parents and sisters death the way they died Mm -hmm. and it was by asphyxiation from uh exhaust exhaust. yeah and the sister went to 11 on that she it was that was really hard to see chills yeah that's so ugh not to keep
0: going. Sorry. I just yeah, no, I never no, got the fine. chills just thinking about <laughs> yeah, it. That I mean, one was
3: really hard, but no, this, this this uh you can't call it a, it's a death scene. The sacrifice. Yeah, but self sacrifice. Yeah. And this is like Vince said, the cultural divide where the way the West or I guess Europe is technically the West, but the way that America and this Sweden's Swedish country or this commune sees death. They don't see it as they as we don't want to drag this out we don't want to hurt we want to choose when we when we end this and
2: yeah they don't want to become like worthless uh like weights on other people not worthless i guess but they don't want to become inconvenient for others and so the they so mid i'm going back to um the uh the midsummer traditions again or i guess just yeah so so anyway they they break up life in four different um segments um spring which is ages 0 to 18 summer which is 18 to 36 autumn which is 30 ages six, uh, 36 to 54 and winter which is 54 to 72 after you turn 72 You sacrifice yourself. so And I think they they mentioned something like this in the movie. I could have got it wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong. But they said that they sacrifice themselves so their spirits can go into the newborns or something Mm -hmm. along those lines. And it's just this, like you said, this cultural divide that we just don't understand. We're over here in America like, live as long as we can. Mm -hmm. I don't care what it takes. I don't care if I'm sitting in a bed playing video games when I'm 100 years old. As long as I can live, I'm going to live. And they're like, no, that's ridiculous. Like Once you turn 72... You don't become a burden on somebody. You go through this ritual of jumping off this cliff and killing yourself, and your spirit goes on to help the next generation.
1: Well, and not just with jumping off. Like The first jump, the first person who jumps, very successful right off the bat, right? Which, Sorry, go ahead. And the second person does not succeed as well. They land off the rock a little bit to the side and break a leg. And then this is where I think it got me the most, was that the next people, they grab this giant mallet and they finish him. And it was, that was the hardest part for me. Like, I weirdly get that, like, there are times when you have, like, there are people that believe this, right? Like, I can't remember. Someone says, I try to keep an open mind, you know, of other people's beliefs, but I was like, the first one was like, okay. And the second one was like, shit. Like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah. that was how I felt. I was like, oh. That was
3: rough. And and they didn't mention yeah. They didn't mention who they were, but I think that was his family. There was, like, one male and another woman and two kids. And I think that was his, like, his kin that finished him off.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah. that's, like, weird to think about because
0: I didn't think about it that way, but that's probably very true because they believe it so much that it's – that they would be willing to do that because they see it as an honor. And, you know, they just want to help him, you know, finish it. Obviously, he's in pain. And – yeah, it was just sort of what i talked about before is that they push us to that limit because we see this and like you said it's jarring it's shocking yeah. uh while it was hard for me to watch them out i think for me the first one was the hardest because even though you knew it was happening just seeing the face plant there mm. and coming off oh my gosh oh, that was so hard but then right after that happens we almost feel like the british couple there right simon and uh whatever connie. his name is connie, connie yeah mm. simon and connie where he's just freaking out he's like this is Right? this is messed up but then the lady goes to him and she tries to explain she says this is beautiful for us this is amazing and so it almost it tries to pull us back be like yeah we know that you know we just shocked you really hard but like he says like josh said, or like uh, christian says later like, try to keep an open mind this is what we do mm-hmm. so it's just pushing your limits what's going to be okay
2: so i don't mean to make light of the situation but what was that guy thinking jumping legs first? I don't know. He just stepped off the cliff. I People know can it... go
0: see at 72, right? <laughs> I think that must have been it. Yeah, yeah.
2: I just, this is something me and I, I keep talking about my wife, but something, I saw it with her. So we had a lot of conversations before I came over. But like, we both were like, what was he thinking? Like... That's the worst. If you're going to kill yourself, don't, you know, do what the first girl did. Dive.
1: (laughs) Well, I think also there was a little bit of reluctance in the first lady. She showed some hesitation, whereas that guy just went out. Mm. He sent it, right? He just went for it. But the thing is, is he went feet first when he should have went head first. And the other girl, although the other woman, although showing a little bit of fear, went on the right way. And I... I don't know how else to say oh, that. That Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go. So,
3: and I think the reluctance, she was probably afraid to die, so she wanted it to happen fast. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe the, the gentleman that just stepped off wanted to give his family the honor. Mm. Like, oh, this is all like... I never thought about that. Yeah, I don't know. No, it's just, yeah. just kind of throwing these ideas around here, because none of this is explained, but, um, yeah, like, maybe, maybe that was the case. So, yeah,
2: I... The one thing that it did pay off with it, like from from the standpoint of that guy, I don't understand why I did it. From a movie making standpoint, it foresh- I, I just realized as you guys were talking, it did foreshadow um, the ending of the movie, where he jumps off, he breaks his legs, he's in pain, laying there, and the reaction of the group. The one guy grabs the mallet, and the reaction of everyone else is screaming in like, like pain, like as if they're in pain. Yeah. And they're like, sharing that feeling that that guy's going through which happens again at the end of the movie when danny goes through you know catches christian um and ends up you know in that the moment of screaming pain again and all of the women come around and support her and scream the same like match her screams match her breathing and it kind of showed this commune as much as we don't understand it really are there to build each other up as violent as they are and as, as much as I don't understand it there is some good in it you know well because it's something that I want to get into a little bit more
0: later because I have something that I thought about pretty deeply as far as you know what happens with Danny throughout the course of the film but that's sort of the whole point of why Pele wanted her to come and why she ends up thriving there is because of the empathy right They have empathy. They empathize with each other so much that they scream when each other's in pain. They literally are, you know, together for mating rituals. They do everything together as a community and they empathize with each other. And the reason why she does so so well there is because that's what she was missing before, right, with Christian. That's why she ends up doing so well. And so that plays out so many times during the movie. The end when they're burning, during the mating ritual, during the part where she's screaming. And at that part where the guy falls off the cliff and they're all screaming in pain
1: as well. They just really, they're one, they're united. And that's just, that scene was hard to watch for me. But then as we step forward and we go to the future, right? There's Simon and Connie and they are livid. They do not know how to deal with things. But what one of the elders goes ahead and does is she says, she yells, you did not prepare them for this. Did you not tell them, right? And he's like, I, I, the guy who brought them i i tried you know like whatever he said i can't remember but it was more like an excuse of like and then she goes him and says hey these are customs like they wanted to do this they want to be a part of it they understood this and you need to be respectful of that and they're kind of like no this is bs the whole time right and i think that's something to kind of keep in mind that although they're there those guys aren't bought into the idea of what this celebration or festival really is they're bought into their own personal enjoyment and you can actually see that at the first part of the movie you know essentially they're like welcome and we'll provide you with anything you need the other people that come with sorry i forget his name the the americans yeah oh wait so the the other people come with pele they just kind of go with the flow on what everyone else does and i'm not saying that this is a bad thing or anything like that but the brits are the only ones who take them up on like you see them only they're the ones who bring beer over, like, outside of it. And they're the ones who kind of go out of their way and ask, whereas the Americans kind of go with the floor, flow with the go, whatever you want to mm-hmm. say it as, right? And I'm not I'm not picking it apart really there, but it kind of proves that those guys were not prepared to just, I don't know what you're going to call it, assimilate with the, with the experience.
3: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: No, yeah, for sure. So I think that's definitely one of, you have a lot of hard scenes to watch in this movie, but that one especially because of the physical you know, aspect of it, it's really hard to watch because even though, even if you do understand it as far as something that happens and they're honored by it, I mean, suicide, you know, not to get too dark, it's, is never pretty, but the act of jumping off the cliff onto a rock or jumping off the cliff and having someone smash your head in with a hammer is just so jarring that it pushes them to the brink. Where even though they try to keep an open mind, it's something that that pulls on them and it's something so hard and so hard to understand that it pushes Danny, you know, to think about her parents and her sister. She sees them there, right? She sees them there as if they were the two that fell off the rock and then her sister there in the middle with the thing attached to her face. So it's it pushes them to the brink, you know, the people who aren't there and who don't understand
1: it. Is it a is it an emotional preparation for the next steps of joining the commune
3: I mean it, yeah, oh, that, yeah. You put it put it beautifully there like <laughs> and it, that's another thing that like comes back to us talking about this is normal life for them this is like it's the same thing as like if you brought a child into a Catholic church and all these things were happening in the child's like I am so scared, but it's so normal for everybody else around them mm-hmm. because this is just life. So it's
2: true. Yeah. It goes to show what a belief in something, the extent that belief will take someone, you know, we know wholeheartedly that doing harm to another person is bad, but if there's meaning behind it that we truly believe and that we're doing good, we can we can do monstrous things.
3: Absolutely, It's a really cool way of holding up a mirror to religions and being like, see how easy it is to do terrible things when it's your, your religion, mm-hmm. you know, like where they don't see it as terrible, but yeah. everybody else around them is like, yo, this is really
1: bad, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, going into that, and I, I don't mean to like play – too terribly against any specific group of folks, right? Think of the Crusades. Think of some of the wars that have been fought in the East, some of the wars that have been fought in the West, all in the name of one being or another. Absolutely. And yeah, that's that's a really good thought to really think about is what's normal to me and my belief system may be completely foreign to someone else. And that's always a terrifying thought, I think. Mm. I don't know. Yeah.
0: But that's part of the horror, right, of this movie is seeing what why something is different to us it's completely normal to someone else you know real life is terrifying people see the world different ways and those different ways can be terrifying to us and while we try to keep an open mind or respect other people there's a lot of times you know a moment where you need to stop and say hey this is too far Hammer smashing. Mm-hmm. this is wrong just... <laughs> hammer smashing. hey this that's... is a hammer smash in the head moment yeah. this is a not okay this moment this is pretty
1: much a recreation of Robert Baratheon and um, <laughs> oh, wow. Aegon Targaryen's fight at the you know the river like where you can find rubies in it still, Warhammer no I'm, I'm <laughs> kidding but that's a Game of Thrones reference uh-huh. for um, those of you who don't know but Vince what's up uh, I
2: segue into kind of into the end of the movie right um I wanna talk a little bit about Danny's nightmare that she has. Do you guys remember that? When uh she wakes up in the middle of the night, She's she walks like, out of the the where it's Yeah, it's dark outside yeah. finally, and she sees all of her friends um jump in a car and drive off without her and friggin' what's his name? Mike, Matt, what's his name? Mark Mark Ugh. the worst person. <laughs> just turn around and like smile at her, like, see a sucker, you know? And it just kind of shows again, I, I I mean, we keep like kind of retreading this, but again, it shows Danny's fear of losing her loved ones. Um, and another thing that I noticed in her character is she's constantly apologizing to Christian, even though it's like Christian does a lot of crappy things to her. She's the one so worried that she'll lose that last tie to, what her? What's keeping her sane? Like she lost mm-hmm. her whole family; she lost everyone who was important to her, except for Christian. And she's so scared of losing Christian that she'll do anything; she'll say anything that she can to keep him around. Which leads us in to the, towards the end of the movie where she sees Christian betray her in the most awkward mating ritual—the <laughs> <laughs> most awkward sex scene I've ever seen on on the big screen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well and kind of kind of going into that whole building up to the betrayal. I I kind of want to touch on this for a moment. There's a part when they get to where they where she's asking where is Simon and Connie, right? Oh my god. And so she saw Connie mm-hmm. for a minute, but then Simon had left, you know, and said he would call her from the train station and Christian's like, "Well, it's probably just some miscommunication or, you know, sometimes when you got to go, you got to go." And then she's like, "Well, you would probably do that to me too." And he was like, "Whoa." You're, like, you're calling me out finally, right? Yeah. And then once we finally get to the part where we know that this betrayal has happened and she knows as well, it breaks you as well in a way. Like the, you know that the, the... And this is how real this is. The influence of life can always pull you one way or another. And there are often times where you're just a passenger going along. You're not necessarily in the driver's seat. You're just being pulled one way and that's what happens through change, right? Whereas... <clears throat> She is, for the most part, in control. She's asking questions. She's still being attentive, but she's not necessarily in control either is what's going on. It's all somebody else. They're on autopilot, essentially, at this point. But when this betrayal of and the most awkward season comes, Danny is surrounded by people who are with her and they've welcomed her. When she becomes the the May Queen, right? She She has a drink and someone's like, You're part of the family now, right? You're with us. Mm -hmm. And that is a real symbolic moment or a real big moment for me where Danny has agreed, like, I'm here. I'm invested. Not necessarily she knows everything's going on, but she is now, she feels at home in a way.
0: I agree with you completely there. And that's something I like. Something that I wanted to nitpick really quick about the movie is I had quite a few nitpicks the first time I saw it. A lot of them were resolved after the second time I saw it because I had just missed things but this is one that I just for me was just a little bit too much too far and I didn't like it was the disappearing of the characters and everyone just being okay with it like they just kept on going throughout the movie and I get that at different times they drink the mushroom juice and did all these things but just but one by one all the characters disappear and you know and we didn't even get to see what happened to him. So that, until... I mean, that, it's, it's a different horror movie. And so I would have, you know, wanted to sort of see what happened, how they got taken, because they build us on these characters. They're not just side characters. Like if it were just Simon and Connie that we didn't know exactly, like we didn't see exactly what happened, it'd be okay. But they build us up with Josh and with Mark, the whole front part of the movie. And then to just have them stop being there and just disappear i know the movie is about danny and christian's relationship i just didn't like that they were gone danny and christian were not really caring that much like you're hours and hours later like 10 hours and they're like oh do you think mark's still with that girl oh probably (laughs) like i don't know about you guys people don't just go into the mountains (laughs) and do it for like 10 hours okay (laughs) so that was a small nitpick. He <laughs> Speak for yourself. Is that what you mean, yeah. Michael? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I no, guess maybe no. I'm wrong there, but that was something I didn't like. Just the characters disappearing, people not even caring about it, us not getting that much of an explanation. I get that they needed to keep the story moving. They didn't want to make it any longer than it had to be. That was something that I disliked.
3: With the characters disappearing, on the the, the nitpick of that is totally valid but they they used it in another one of those moments where they they took the horror tropes because uh connie's boyfriend fiance disappears and she's panicking she's freaking out she's saying he would never do that he would never leave uh and then they like kind of ex uh, escort her to like okay well we're gonna wait for the truck out here out here out here and then the next scene is lunch so you're like Oh man, they're eating them. That's what oh, I man. thought. Yeah, exactly. yeah, right.
1: Like, oh gosh, yeah. oh they're eating. Well, that's the scene where Christian pulls the hair from his pie, uh, and uh, it was uh, like, oh man, eating a little bit of Connie. Yeah, yeah,
3: that's where I definitely, definitely went with that, and that that's it, it turned it on its head. Mm-hmm. Like at, at the end of the movie, you come to find out. I mean, spoilers. We're moving in a yeah. l- linear, yeah. but we're gonna jump there anyway. Like you find out oh, at the end of the movie, all of these people that had been disappearing. Are this sacrifice mm-hmm. because this this festival only comes every ninety or ninety three years. Ninety years. Yeah. And again, that it's some of the most violent, gruesome
2: ways to die you can think of, which Ari Aster, the director, pulled from pagan rituals. Um, uh, going specifically to what was the Connie's boyfriend's name again? Simon. Sorry, Simon, who he. Christian runs into the barn towards the end of the movie. Turns around and sees Simon strung up in the in the in the chicken coop. He's flayed, mm. and it's called. They did this in Vikings. That's where I first. Yeah, that's where that. I saw in Hannibal. Yeah, the yeah, shell. Yeah. The, yeah. So they call it the, uh, they, they find him strung up and uh, he's he's all cut up, hanging up in the thing. And it's called the Blood Eagle and it's a Viking ritual that that we don't even know. I, I, like I said, I read into this. We don't even know if it's real or not or if it was a mistranslation from some of the, the people that have read these books. But the Blood Eagle was a ritual, a sacrifice to Odin, where they open up his back, break his ribs, and pull his lungs out. The back, yeah, you know, so it's like this really violent, like, like violent thing that they do to these people, that that again, like we keep going back to culture, is just seems so okay, o- almost like like w- they should be thankful to be that person who gets to be sacrificed. And even at the end of the movie, there's two. Uh, Danny gets to choose who the last sacrifice is going to be because they think it's going to be an honor, and two volunteers jump up and say i will be the one because it's an honor it's my honor to be the one to be sacrificed yeah. this year
3: so there was supposed to be nine sacrifices i only counted eight No, there's nine i didn't see the ninth well, well christian was the ninth right yeah he's okay. the bear he in the there. middle yeah definitely. The, well
1: also the life of the bear probably might have counted towards one oh. too yeah. but like we need to talk about where they do this big main final sacrifice are we to that point yet or do we want to hold? well on? yeah so just well, to make w-
0: sure we have the nine so we have the two old people who are in there the two volunteers from the village, right? Those are the four because there's four from the village, four outsiders, and then one that's picked from either one. right, so you have the two old people who died, then the two volunteers, you know, the four. And then you have Josh and Mark and Simon and Connie, right? So that's eight, and then Christian in the bear thing is the final
3: one, right? Nice. Nice count.
1: But they're sitting in this giant yellow pyramid. they ignite at this point and throughout the whole film this has been you don't go in there it's a temple nobody goes in there but the old people at the first in the first feast they come from the temple meaning what have they been preparing for in the temple to bring it i thought that they were like the wise old elders at first Uh nope they were the sacrificial lambs Mm -hmm. um then going into it right where we're at now is all of these sacrifices they weirdly have some sort of semblance right because the two old people they're like one is stuffed with the tree and like one stuff with some fruit and then the two guys they're just there in their nice garb and they're just chilling right and they give them a little bit of aspen tree juice and they're like this will make it so you don't burn you. spoiler they squealed together the whole commune but then you have christian who's just we i guess we can't can talk about him he is put inside of a bear yeah so the bear from the beginning not, i guess we're gonna talk about it um <laughs>
3: So back to back to Christian and Danny, just a little bit. I'm gonna jump back. Yeah. Where Casey was talking about. Where at the end of, by the end of the movie, Danny is full. Like she's in one hundred percent. She's done this ritual to become the May Queen, which we definitely need to talk about. But um it's this really cool uh like changing of the guard because she starts the movie so insecure and scared and and Christian's like almost certain he wants to leave her and by the end of it when he's in that mating ritual and she's found the betrayal and she's in it and she's everybody is with her he's so alone yeah. in this moment he just looks lost he's just i don't know what's going on yeah yeah it's a really cool moment in the movie where it's like they role reversal And
2: you also get that moment too. So one of my favorite scenes in the movie was the dancing around the maple. I just thought it was really pretty, really well done. Um, Like you said, it showed her just like her turn of just accepting what was going on. She drinks the mushroom tea and is just going on a trip and dancing around. And she's so happy. Like for the first time in the movie, she's so happy. She's found these people that this place where she kind of starting to feel like she belongs um, and she ends up winning, winning the May queen. And this is the moment where I thought, all right, you're gonna get set on fire. You know, you're the May queen. <laughs> Me too. Everything's yeah. been building up to this. You're going to be sacrificed. This sucks for you, but no, it's, it's the complete opposite. She gets brought back to the commune. She hears the mating ritual going on. She's, and she wants to go see it. And all of her, all of these women in the commune are like, no, that's not for you. We promise you don't want to see that, but she's, she she decides to go and nobody stops her you know like which is which is really cool like these people they want they really want the best for her but they're not going to forbid her from doing anything yeah and she goes and she sees him and this is the moment where she just cracks and she's crying and she lost everything and this is the moment that she's so open to whatever will make her feel better that when those women all cry with her and share her feelings with her she's like I'm in. And they give her, like like you said, Christian gets, they gut a bear and they put him inside the bear. So his face is kind of popping out the, the mouth, kind of like Mario wearing a oh my God. Tanuki suit. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and they give her the opportunity. The May Queen, she gets the last say. Who's going to be the last sacrifice? Is it going to be your boyfriend who has been crappy to you for years, who cheated on you? Or is it going to be one of these guys who who volunteers to do it? And it never it never shows us who she chooses. It just cuts to that last scene where he's sitting in the bear suit. He's paralyzed, by the way. They, they blew something in his face that paralyzed him. And he's just sitting in the bear suit. They're starting the building on fire. And the movie closes with Danny's face. And she goes from this just depressed, depressed frown to this kind of smile on her face of just like... I've lost my mind and (laughs) I am at home here and just completely willing to accept this new culture.
1: Yeah. She really takes a stand and is there right in that moment. We really don't know what she chooses to do. Does she go back to reality or does she stay right? But there is a scene immediately after she wins the May queen where they, they take her over They're all around her, you know, applauding her and cheering her on. But then they have her stand on this pedestal, right? And they mm-hmm. rise her up. And that I feel like is very symbolic of her taking a stand for herself, right? And deciding, yeah. you know, starting that path. Like we can always say, right? Like I'm going to do something, but then we kind of get going and the journey is hard. Well, in this one, going around the maypole, right? A lot of them hit and bump shoulders or they're dizzy and the lady changes the direction. And that's that's real life. Directions come at you fast. Life comes at you fast. And she withstood it. And so at that point where... Finally, she's ready to make the stand. They rise her up to the occasion. They help her, right, which solidifies that moment of togetherness and oneness within the commune, and they take her, and she rides in the carriage. She buries the wheat, like the – what is it? The wheat seeds, the meat, the egg, mm-hmm. the eggshell, all of that. They bury it, and then she repeats the ritual, and they keep going, and then they go back to this this moment. But really, in the end, it's, it's Danny – finding out that she doesn't need christian anymore that she can burn her past i guess you might say and i thought it was so crazy i was a little like there are moments like vince has talked about where christian does attempt to redeem himself but he he still got burned in the end it's true
0: do you guys have any other specific scenes you want to talk about before we move to the movie as a whole and what it does
3: I do. There, the the mushroom scenes. It was very subtle. Mm-hmm. That to, but when you got to see the like point of view from the people on mushrooms, they did a beautiful job of making the like tree barks kind of crawl. And the whole Mayflower scene where she was being um, like knighted, I guess, or like her ceremony, the flowers were like breathing yeah, cool. on her head. It, it was, was beautiful. I couldn't get enough of it. It kind of like borderline scared me I was like <laughs> I don't know what's going
0: on it was scary but then also at the same time just throughout the whole movie both on mushrooms and off mushrooms the cinematography was gorgeous mm-hmm. and I mean obviously you have a beautiful setup with these mountains and the fields where they've set it up that there's these amazing beautiful colors with the flowers and everything like that but even just with the lighting what they did with the sun and both the unnatural lighting that they put in there that it came across their faces as what they needed to feel in the moments. Just, I wanted to shout out the cinematography throughout the entire film really quick as well because it was incredible and it moved the film and it helped helped with that, um, that how do you say it? Like the, um, the ambiance and whatever that made you feel both the tension but also the acceptance of Danny throughout the entire film.
2: I guess, and I'll try to make this short, I guess I had a different interpretation kind of, of the, as of the ending than Mm -hmm. you did i think casey i almost see danny as yeah being liberated from christian but also finding a a replacement crutch because in my mind she's not leaving that commune she found somewhere where she feels safe and comfortable and she's just kind of replaced her boyfriend with someone else that was able to give her that love or whatever that
1: she needs i I don't know is that is that different than kind of what you were saying well She did replace her, right? Like, she exchanged family for family. Because the way Pele, right, that's his name, the way he talks about the group is not as, you know, a group, right? He talks about it as his family. Like, everyone is his family. So it's more like adoption Mm -hmm. by force. Absolutely. (laughs) Like, no,
3: the end of the movie definitely is about finding that group that makes you feel at home. Like, it, it almost was like she was just trying to force her life with christian so hard and it clearly wasn't working and then by the end of the movie like through the most worst ways she found her tribe Mm -hmm. you know
0: so here's what i want to say here's my big thought about the whole movie that plays directly off of that for the supporting actors for those supporting characters josh mark um connie What's his Simon? Face? Simon, Christian, all those guys. This movie was a horror movie because they went to this place. These people do crazy things. They kidnapped them, flayed them, all these other things, and sacrificed them. So for them, it sucks. But it was something I read on a review that got me thinking about it. For Danny's character, and she's the main character of this movie, it's a reverse horror film. She starts in a situation that is awful for her with Christian not understanding with him not being able to to give her what she needs and be able to support her both with helping with the mental illness of her sister as well as her own mental illness. And she moves through the movie, eventually accepting and finding a place that will support her because it gives her what she needs that she didn't have before. She started in a bad situation with no empathy, with a fear of death, and she moves to a place that has complete and when you know we say complete it's complete empathy everybody feels what everybody is feeling and that's what she needed and I feel like she lacked it so much before that this entire community feeling what each other feels is exactly what she needed that's why that scene where all the girls are crying with her while it's strange and you're like why are these people doing it it's so powerful because it's exactly what she needed It is 100% what she needed. She sees her boyfriend cheating, and what she didn't have before, she gets tenfold. Mm -hmm. Everyone is there with her, crying as hard as she is, as well as her fear of death, her fear of losing the people you love. In this community, you know exactly when everyone's going to pass, but they're also in this community not gone. So, like I said, for me, looking at it, it's a reverse horror film for Dani because she goes from her bad situation... In what we consider the normal world to her good situation which to us is not normal
1: everything goes though from the film from dark to light or like you said winter to summer right winter you know darkness to light and that really right josh it is a reverse horror for danny but a true horror for other people but i still want to go back to my thought on change like we never really know what's happening to us in life like we might have an idea or a thought of what's going on And we hope that the people around us can support us, provide, you know, the emotional and whatever you want to call it for us. But if they fail to do so, what happens? Things either sometimes get brighter for some and darker for others.
3: Man, that's Casey. That's deep. (laughs) Man, all right. Keep all that up. Um, (laughs) Now, so.
1: Oh, wow. uh,
3: (laughs) (laughs) um, Well, okay, so. Also, as an audience member, Mm -hmm. um, I went through a change from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie in the sense of where I was a little bit of like the British people, where I was like, "Oh wow, okay, this is weird." And by the end of the movie, I was totally fine with everybody being dead. I was like, "Cool, man, Christian, you deserve it." Yeah, uh, yeah, him and Mark. (laughs) Oh, also, cut back to Mark. His skin, his face gets cut yeah. off. And there's this, there's somebody <laughs> in this movie we haven't talked about. It's the like oracle of the tribe. Oh, Ruben. Ruben is his name. He's a, uh, he's disformed. He's and, an inbred by choice. Yeah, inbred by choice by to keep. the people
1: the, who made him. Sorry. I didn't uh, mean, no,
3: it's totally fine. <laughs> to keep the bloodlines pure mm-hmm. because he he's the one, they scripture is ongoing it's always being wrote by their oracle and to keep their oracles un, un unclouded unclouded thank you they inbreed mm-hmm. and and he's just kind of there in the yeah. movie he doesn't i mean you don't even know if he kills that, mark it, that comes from
2: the pagan rituals too. the like again i'm going to reference vikings because you know how accurate that show is uh <laughs> i don't know um that, that's an, like like a real thing that, Their oracle that they, in Vikings they always had an oracle way? that was very deformed because they believe, yeah, that those people who are kind of, I'm assuming, mentally challenged as well, in a way. This is another nitpick I had
0: was him. I didn't, I mean, I know that they had the oracle and that he was writing the scripture. I didn't know about Reuben and the necessity yeah. of having him there. Nothing much happened with him. And I mean, you see him a few times and yeah, he's like coloring. And then the elders are like, Oh, he means this, this is the scripture. And then at the very end where they're like at that final choosing of the final sacrifice, he's there like on this
3: super fluffy thing, like building clouds and stuff. I don't know, man. (laughs) I probably just wanted to keep authenticity for the culture. Just like Vince is saying, like, well, there's an oracle. There it
2: is. (laughs) I just have one final thought. Uh, It's actually a quote from Ari Aster. And I think this is what makes, I'll just read it first off. He says, I hope that whatever you're feeling at the end, whatever viewers feel at the end, I hope that they feel compelled to question what they're feeling and not just feel it. And I think that's like sums this all up perfectly. It's a hard watch, but it made me think it made me feel something and it made me like really start to question what i was feeling and it made me start to look into other cultures and understanding i think we did that here as a group too like like if someone would have told me about this pagan religion that was going around killing people like i would have been so uh, like i would not understand that at all but after watching this movie you can kind of you know, justify it and understand it like okay it's a different culture I see why they're doing it they're not evil people they're just mm-hmm. doing what we view as evil things and I still don't believe that there's any circumstance that would justify what they do to these people but at the end of the movie you can kind of understand it and I think, I think that I think he nailed it I think Ari did exactly what he was trying to do with it he wanted us to feel something and he wanted us to think about what we were feeling
0: I think his statement is very true and accurate because like I mentioned, so I saw it twice and I saw it twice because I sort of wanted to do, I hadn't seen this quote. I wanted to do what he said because I left the movie the first time and I was not completely. I liked a lot of things. He about wasn't movie. sold on it. I could, feel I like, did not like it very much. It was sure like you
2: sent us a text that said five out of 10. I did. I <laughs> said five out
0: of 10 was me even thinking about it a little bit more. When I walked out of the movie theater, it was a three. For me, Ooh, 3 out of wow. 10. It was not good. I thought about it. I put some things together in my mind. I was like, okay, this movie's okay. It's 5 out of 10. But I didn't want to give it a bad rap without really understanding it. So I went back. I watched it again. I saw some things that I had missed. I thought about it a little deeper. And now I'd give it, I guess, 7, 7.5. So it's not perfect. It's not a masterpiece like a lot of people are saying for me. But I think that if you do feel like that the first time... Think about it a little more, or even, you know, if you have the means, go again, look at it a little deeper, because there is a lot to this movie, a lot that's really hard to pick up, all in one viewing. It's a really good movie, and I never thought I'd say that, you know, that moment. Casey can testify. I did not think I'd say that after I walked out of the movie theater the first time. It is a very well thought out, put together movie. Ari Aster is revolutionizing the horror genre, and I think that we need to really look at that.
3: What are your thoughts, Michael? Michael. I was in the same boat as Josh. I, I literally walked into this recording right after the movie. Mm-hmm. I, I am fresh off like just <laughs> seeing it. And at the beginning of our conversation, I was lukewarm. It was beautiful, but I didn't really completely... You know, I wasn't sold. Yeah. But by the end of this, I realized I really liked it. And I want to <laughs> yeah. do just like Josh did and go see it again because, yeah. yeah, I want to go see all of those little ruins and the the background. And I'm also kind of looking for an Easter egg from Hereditary. I just want to see that symbol from the first uh, from Hereditary. Yeah. I know it's not in there, but I think it'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be something. Well, with, with this film, do you have anything else to add, Vince, before
2: we close it out? No. I wouldn't recommend the movie to everybody, but if you're into this kind of movie, it's the best, it's top three horror for me. Hereditary, Midsummer, The Witch.
1: Wow. 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 What about you, Josh? It's definitely
2: a
0: recommend. I don't know. I'd have to think about it more before I put anything, but I'd say with what it's doing for new horror, both Ari Aster and Jordan Peele, I think that... I don't want to say we're set for the future because obviously people will still need to do things, but I think that we're heading in a good direction where we're going to get good, smart movies. And so I recommend, and I think that they're doing a great job.
3: I got, it was really, really pretty moment at the end of the movie, just to kind of go back. I know we're like our final thoughts, but I have to, I thought that I could, it feels like I can tell his influences, I guess, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the movie, I got a, big wave of Rosemary's baby. That ex- acceptance just like of this is my life now and I, I am it. And like mm-hmm. if that's one of my favorite horror movies like oh, yeah, ever. That's and that's at great. the end of that movie and I got that vibe, just man, that is where it's at. Like I hope that was one of his influences because you can definitely see it.
1: Yeah. I love I love everything we've talked about tonight. I think that for those of you who are listening who s- have watched the movie um most definitely give us kind of your impressions of it as well because this is a movie that truly i've s- not stopped thinking about it since i saw it on sunday and that's what three days ago now and i've loved every minute of investigating and researching and doing a little bit more with it so anyone out there who wants to like maybe we missed something let us know in the comments or let us even just dm us and say you messed up you messed or missed up on this man, I can't speak right now, but you know, whatever it is, you kind of feel about it. Like go for it. So
3: the last thing, last nitpick about I, the last thing I have to say, no bone saw. (laughs) (laughs) Every
2: movie needs a bone saw. (laughs) I think that we need to have you on every every episode now. You are welcomed into our tribe. Yeah, please come back. This is,
1: but, yeah, this is a blast, guys. But, no, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this. And, yeah, it needed Bonesaw in there, whether he was just an odd extra out there like the Oracle or what. I don't know. Maybe he plays a cross-dressing Oracle. Who knows? It could be anything. But for, for real, for me, I give it, like, a solid 8.5 because I love it. I think it's smart. I like the brightness. I love everything. So you know, you've now heard from all of us, kind of what we would, what we would say. I agree. It's not for everyone, but I believe that if you're looking for something that will make you think for days to watch it and to kind of think about it. So yeah, I that that's it for me. If if anyone else has anything else, okay, just uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram.
2: Um, again, make sure you cast your vote on the Christopher Nolan bracket that we're doing so that we know what we're going to watch next week.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Uh, we've been doing a lot on there, both Twitter and Instagram.
0: So make sure to follow us because we post a lot of movie news on Instagram and, you know, we just love to hear your thoughts about everything, both about the podcast and everything that's coming out.
1: Uh, follow us on there so we can, you know, hear from all of you guys know what you want to hear. And as always, thank you for your continued listening, your ears, and your support. And finally, thank you, Michael, for being on our podcast and for providing us with a new perspective and 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 a little bit of comedic relief as well. So thank you. <laughs> thank you
3: guys for inviting me. This was a blast.
1: All right. Well, until next time, folks, thanks again for tuning in to the Pause Rewind Play podcast. <laughs>